Hello, and welcome to a special episode of the Capital Weekly Podcast. Today's episode was recorded live Thursday, May 26th at California Votes, a 2022 election preview, which was hosted by Capital Weekly. California Votes, a 2022 election preview, was presented as part of Capital Weekly's California Conference Series. Support for California Votes was provided by the Coalition for Safe Responsible Gaming, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations, Western States Petroleum Association, KP Public Affairs, Perry Communications, Capital Advocacy, and California Professional Firefighters. And I thank them very much. We, uh, we really could not do this without their support. And the other person we could do, do not do this without is our moderator for today's panel, uh, Elizabeth Aguilera. Elizabeth is a reporter for CalMatters. She has written about this issue a bit. She is their health reporter and has been uh, doing coverage on California politics for quite some time, uh, formerly for the San Diego Union Tribune and other outlets. If you have any questions, please post them in the Q&A function, and we will try to get those at the end of the session. Thanks again. Really appreciate you tuning in, and we will uh, we'll check back in with you at the end of the hour. Elizabeth, I'll go ahead and turn this over to you. Good morning. Welcome. Um, I'm not going to take much time like introducing. We are going to jump right in here. So today we're going to be talking about uh, flavored tobacco and the referendum challenging the 2020 law that prohibited the retail sale of certain flavored tobacco products. I'm sure most of you know what this is, but just in case, the ballot initiative aims to overturn Senate Bill 793, which was passed a couple of years ago. That bill was known as the Stop Tobacco Access to Kids Bill and ban the sale of flavored tobacco products and uh, flavor enhancers, except for certain kinds of products like hookah or premium cigars. So joining us today to talk about this is uh, Lindsay Freitas and Stephen Greenhut. And Lindsay and Steve, uh, thanks for being with us today. Yes, thanks for having us. Great. So why don't you each introduce yourselves for us and then we'll uh, jump into the questions. Great. I'll jump right in. Uh, I'm Lindsay Freitas. I'm the advocacy director with the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids. Um, And in that capacity, I've been working um, throughout California and Hawaii on tobacco issues, particularly ones that impact uh, youth and whether or not kids have access to tobacco. So I'm here today and really excited to talk about this big fight we have ahead of us in November. Um, You know, we as California adopted a really popular bipartisan law that is gonna protect our kids and the tobacco industry spent millions and millions of dollars to try and overturn it to line their pockets. So I'm ready to to talk about it. All right, we're gonna get into all of that. How about you, Stephen, tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'm Stephen Greenhut. I'm Western Region Director for the R Street Institute. We're a uh, free market think tank that promotes pragmatic uh, uh, market-oriented solutions. And we do a lot of work in the harm reduction area um, and this obviously tobacco harm reduction. And I'm also a columnist for the Southern California News Group, uh, the OC Register um, and uh, you know, LA Daily News and that, that group. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll save my spiel for the, for the questions. But uh, anyway, thanks for having me here. Great, great. Well, this is going to be pretty free flowing, but I do have a few questions to kick us off. So, Lindsay, I'm going to ask you to take us back a little bit. Can you reiterate the reasoning behind Senate Bill 793 and sort of what drove the passage of the original bill? 
Yeah, you know, what we've seen is that the Topeco companies have gotten increasingly aggressive in their marketing of their products to youth. They use flavors, candy flavors like blue raspberry, banana cream pie, and even minty menthol to to target our youth and get them hooked onto these highly addictive nicotine products. For decades, they've deliberately targeted Black neighborhoods with advertisements for minty menthol cigarettes. And, you know, they have a simple formula. They use flavors to attract kids. They use the flavors to cover the harsh taste of tobacco. Then they use these strong hits of nicotine to get them addicted. And now they have a new generation of consumers that they can sell their products to. Well, they just rake in the profits. So that's really what prompted this. We, you know, we've seen huge growth in youth use of e-cigarettes. We had seen these declines of tobacco use in youth over time. But now we have over 2 million middle and high school students that are using e-cigarettes. We have 450,000 Black Americans that have died in the last decade because of tobacco-related illness. Today, 85% of Black smokers use menthol, whereas 50 years ago, that number was just 10%. And four out of five kids who've used tobacco started with a flavored product. So all of this prompted the legislature to take urgent action to make sure that our kids don't have access to these products. So Stephen, tell me, um, you know, SB 793 did pass the legislature pretty overwhelmingly, you know, they were all in support of it. So why try to change it? Let's talk about that. Well, try to overturn it, not change it. But but uh, yeah, the, the big issue here for us is, is uh, harm reduction. Um, uh, at our street, we support uh, age 21 smoking laws, right? And, and we discourage smoking, but smoking is extremely dangerous. We all know that we're all agreed on that. Um, but the, the real problem are the combustible cigarettes are the most dangerous products you could buy. And what we're doing here is we're taking a, uh, a prohibition type approach. We're going to ban products for adult users uh, in the hopes of keeping them out of the hands of people who aren't allowed to have those products anyway. And uh, you know, Public Health England, which is the, the main British public health agency, notes that vaping and va- oh, basically all vaping would be outlawed by this. Um, that uh, uh, vaping is 95% safer than uh, combustible cigarettes. And that's safer, not safe, nothing safe. Nicotine's highly addictive, no question about it. But the real danger comes from, from the combustion and the s- smoking the cigarettes. So it, what this would do is ban, it's going to ban flavors. And uh, studies show that the large percentages of people trying to break their tobacco habit uh, they're attracted to the flavors to kind of disassociate it from the from the taste of tobacco. So to, uh, vaping, snus, um, you know, these products like Zin, which are the the little um, uh, they're the little uh, like I've got an example here. You put in your gum here. Uh, they help people break the uh, the smoking habit, and they're much safer. And so we advocate a policy of harm reduction. Uh, you know, the, the state has embraced harm reduction in all sorts of areas. We, we've embraced it in uh, drug drug use with things like uh, uh, safe injection sites. We've we've embraced it with marijuana. We're legalizing marijuana, which is which I, I think is a good thing. Uh, the, the goal of the state should not be to impose prohibitions, but to allow people to to pursue, you know, safer, safer things. So this this will actually endanger public health by making it impossible to get uh, uh, you know, safer products, but you can still walk into a store and, and grab a pack of uh, Marlboros or Camels, the most dangerous products available. So it doesn't make any sense to, to ban for adults the, most, uh, the safest products, but allow the, 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 the most dangerous products to be available. 
Well, talk about, you both mentioned, you know, cigarettes and then also electronic uh, devices, the vaping, the e-cigarettes. Are those, uh, Lindsay, are you seeing the use among youth that you're concerned about coming into it through e-vape or through e-cigarettes? I think that what we've seen is that e-cigarettes and the candy flavors that e-cigarettes come in have been highly targeted through by the tobacco industry to youth. And we've seen incredible jumps in youth use of these products. And I think that's really the crux of this argument. We can talk about harm reduction, but the problem is that what, what the what's driving this problem is that youth are picking up these products and the industry is being allowed to target our kids with them. And we can't allow that to happen. And that's why we need to vote yes on this in November. What do you say about the way that youth have been targeted, Steve? What's, what is your response to that in terms of how you'd like to see this, you know, overturned? Yeah. I mean, we've also seen a concurrent decrease in youth smoking, right? So, uh, I'm not an advocate for, for youth smoking or vaping or anything, uh, but, but we have, you know, we accept as a society that there are certain products, adults only. Alcohol is a good example. Um, we don't ban alcohol products under the thinking that uh, if, if we ban them, it'll be harder for young people to, to get alcohol, which would be true for perhaps, but, uh, you know, we see the history of prohibition, uh, which showed that that's not necessarily true over time, the drinking rates remained high. Uh, but the, the goal here is, you know, adults need to have, adult smokers need to have access to safer products. And this simply bans safer products, you know, uh, under the guise of, of, of helping uh, people who aren't allowed to have those products anyway. So we should, we should enforce the, the age 21 laws. Now, the other issue is menthol, right? So menthol is not a safer product. Uh, and, and it is true that big tobacco targeted African-American neighborhoods. I, I don't know, was it back in the 70s? And, but if you're, if you're going to ban those products that are favored by, by people, uh, they're going to try to get them anyway, right? So it's going to create black markets. It's going to create increased uh, uh, you know, incidences of, of, of police interaction. I mean, we saw that what was it, the Eric Garner case in, in uh, New York uh, when, uh, you know, the police had stopped him for selling Lucy's, allegedly selling Lucy's individual cigarettes, black market cigarettes. Um, so, you know, I was at the Oakland City Council meeting uh, when, when that city council voted to, uh, uh, you know, ban flavors. And there was a lot of concern among people in the community that it's just going to, you know, increase uh, police interactions and it's going to create sort of a black market. So prohibition, you know, we, we kind of recognize that in California has been on the leading edge on a lot of harm reduction efforts. The goal of the state isn't to enforce some sort of abstinence or prohibition. Uh, we just need to allow people to, you know, continue to, uh, um, uh, to, you know, make healthier choices or safer choices, really. Um, and, you know, so so the FDA has not approved of vaping, right? But the FDA is a, a bureaucratic agency and people make their own choices. And, and most, you know, even the American Cancer Society admits that that vaping is a safer choice for people, although, of course, it advocates, as do we, uh, you know, no use of tobacco. But um, people are going to smoke. People are addicted to nicotine. Um, so it's 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 foolhardy to make uh, safer products uh, not available. And I, I might point out in 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 um, Sweden, right, where the nicotine delivery system of choice is snooze. That's the, the tobacco the, um, that's been uh, 
pasteurized and it's, it's uh, they put it in their gum. Uh, they also have the uh, lowest uh, cancer rates in all of Europe because people use that instead of combustible cigarettes. And in fact, Sweden almost didn't join the European Union over its ban on, on snus and those kind of products. So it's, it's, you know, it's been proven over years uh, to flavored tobacco products can help people um, break their deadly habit. Can just chime in real quickly. I mean, I think that one of the things we have to keep in mind when we're talking about these e-cigarette products is that I think a lot of people think they're healthier and they're really not. I mean, they have more than 10 chemicals that are on the California Prop 65 list of substances known to cause cancer, birth defects, and reproductive harm. They, you know, cause a lot of cardiovascular issues, and we're still figuring out what the long-term consequences of using these products are. So to say that they're a healthy alternative is not proven. And so I think we just got to be clear when we're talking about this, that we want to make sure that our kids are not accessing candy-flavored tobacco. I didn't say they're a healthy alternative. They're a safer alternative, right? So Public Health England, uh, quite a few, there's so many studies showing that they're they're much less dangerous, right, than than uh, combustible cigarettes. So, uh, it, it, you know, abstinence is, would be great. Nobody should use any tobacco products. Uh, that would be great, but that's that's not the real world. And just banning it, right? Nobody should drink alcohol or 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 do a lot of other things, right, to be to to be safe. But it, they are safer. They're, I, and nobody ever says, nobody who advocates on my side ever says they're safe, healthy products. They're safer. They're less dangerous. Um, I, I was, uh, I, you know, I, I personally smoked a ton of cigars, which are, are pretty dangerous because of the combustion. And I was able to break that through these kind of flavored uh, uh, little Zin packages uh, and and you get a nicotine fix without all the danger, but nobody's saying that they're 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 totally any of this is, is totally safe. And but it's it's I, public policy is not designed to promote prohibition. That never works. And you know, people who are not we there there have already been some some evidence of this that uh, people will go online and mix up their own uh, vape juices, which uh, you know that that scares me a lot more than people buying commercially available uh, tested. Uh, vape products. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but but name one one thing. I mean, name name one area where we ban uh, where we ban adult only products simply to keep them out of the hands of well, people. Well, I mean, a couple of yes. we're we're not banning these products. We're we are banning the flavors in these products. Tobacco right. flavored products are still all... available, and people still have access to them, and that makes up a third of the market of in California of e-cigarette flavors. So these well, are viable options are... for people to use. But almost all vapes are flavored, right? Flavors. Even, no, that's yeah, a third all of all the all in the California. A third almost of all the then, products are flavored. So, so it's an essential ban. Um, Lindsay, it, talk about one of the points that Steve was making about adults and sort of the choices they have, and this um, what the bill did in terms of removing flavors, of course, for all buyers. Um, it, you know, what do you say to folks who, you know, like Steve, who say, "Well, now I'm 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 an adult. This is." something that I was using, you know, how do you respond? I know you just talked about how, you know, the, the chemicals and the health aspect of that, but talk me through that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, when we look at the numbers and we look at the impact in general public health that e-cigarettes have had on our community, we are driving a problem with our youth accessing these products. And I think that we need to protect our kids from this. 
And I have a hard time believing that adults are using some of these flavors that, that these products come in. These, they're, the packaging is made to look like candy. The kids don't even realize they're getting nicotine. And that's the problem. We need to worry about the kids. And I also want to highlight one really important aspect of this law, which is that this law doesn't criminalize adults. This law only removes these products from the shelves. So the idea that we're going to have an Eric Garner situation here in California is not accurate. That's not how this policy is going to be implemented. And it, I think it's really important for us to understand that because that's not how the policy is written. It, it doesn't criminalize you for having the product. However, what will happen is if you clear the shelves, uh, aside from the fact that people who are addicted and have to nicotine and have uh, particular preferences are going to have to drive uh, you know, go out of state to get them or, or order them online or whatever. It's going to be a cat and mouse game. But what it, do, it will do, though, it does criminalize people from uh, selling illegal products, right? So if somebody comes from out of state and sells Lucy's on the street, that's not legal. Uh, but that's uh, not legal now. Right. Well, right. But nobody needs to do it now because you but can the, buy them in the store. Well, so but the black market so it, of course, argument of is course, completely overblown. I mean, study after study shown that these black markets don't don't pop up. You look at what happened in Canada, where they eliminated menthol cigarette sales, and their black market did not take off. They did not have a huge increase in black market sales. It was comparable to what it was beforehand, and that's what what we're seeing is these policies are effective. They're, and they're protective for our kids. So you don't think marijuana was available before it was legalized? I mean, you know, black I mean, market. that's a different substance. It's a different issue. Well, not really, because people, in fact, I think are are more addicted to nicotine than they are to uh, to to marijuana, right? Because there's there's uh, anyway. Uh, we we've seen that was that was a main concern in in Oakland, and and uh, you know, people people are going to still want to get what what they like to smoke. And you're just making it illegal for adults to to get the products that they prefer. So, uh, you know, we're going to see people uh, on the vaping. We're going to see people going online and and creating their own their own formulas. And we're going to see black markets and people driving out of state and, and, and you know, bringing it in. So uh, we're not we're not going to see people just going cold turkey uh, on a substance that's highly addictive. I mean, 70% of adults want to quit smoking. And, and so I think a lot of them, and what we've seen in places that have implemented these policies, a lot of people have quit smoking. And we have excellent resources in California to facilitate that and help assist in that process. So I, I think we will see some cessation. But the true thing that we're trying to do here and make sure happens is we're trying to protect our communities that have been targeted by the industry. We're trying to protect our children. We're trying to protect our communities of color that have been subject to billion dollar marketing campaigns to addict them to deadly products. And we can't allow that to continue. Well, So, do, you, so I'm going to ask yeah. you both for some stats if you have these. Um, Lindsay, talk about, or do you have numbers that show um, how many kids, I think you did talk a little bit about this in your intro, who have either begun using these products or then use these products sort of as a starting point moving on to more traditional uh, cigarettes or tobacco products? Yeah, I mean, there are over 2 million youth that, have, that use e-cigarettes today in our country. And that's, that's staggering. That's a lot of youth that are using these products. We hear stories from schools all the time where, where kids are vaping in the bathrooms and teachers 
don't have the, the ability to do anything about it. We have a big problem on our hands. Now, these youth are starting to transition to combustible cigarettes as well. And that's a problem. And we don't want to see that happen. And you know what the transfer rate, do we, is there a, I I don't know it off the, I don't know it off the top of my head. Yeah. And what about you, Steve? Do you have any figures or numbers on how many adults, as you talked about, like using them as a way to come back from? Right. I mean, what we've seen and I, you know, I I wish I, you know, I should have planned ahead and had a bunch of numbers. But I don't. But uh, we've seen that that youth will uh, people transfer to other products, right? If you're addicted to nicotine, uh, and that uh, uh, we have not seen a big transfer rate of people uh, kids going from uh, uh, vaping to uh, smoking combustible cigarettes. Quite quite the other hand. But I, I don't I don't want to talk about statistics I don't have. Uh, you know so. Um, trying to see here if I have specifically what you're looking at, but uh, um, uh, yeah, but one, one statistic I have here is that uh, only a very small percentage, the CTC found that 55% of minors using e-cigarettes cited curiosity as their motivator uh, and it wasn't flavor, flavors were not their primary factor. So, you know, banning flavors, when I was growing up, kids smoked cigarettes, you know, and, and that was a terrible thing. And I'm not in any way in favor of youth smoking or vaping or anything of that sort. But the main argument is the harm reduction argument. Uh, you know, this is this is basically just a, a, a prohibition on 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 these products. And Lindsay was saying, well, you know, they don't have to have flavors. The non-flavored ones are still available. But almost, uh, you know, if you look at almost any of these products, they're all flavored. E- even the tobacco flavoring is an ad- addition, uh, uh, you know, to the the, fla- the vaping liquid. So, so I just want to take a moment here to remind our audience that we are taking questions. So, if you want have a question for Lindsay or Stephen, or you have a, a thought you want to add to this discussion, please feel free to do that in the chat um, so that we can hear from you all too. Lindsay, I think you were about to jump in. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we're clear, even though, you know, the tobacco flavor is added that it, it tobacco flavored vapes are not part of the policy. Um, you know, this policy goes after these egregious flavors that are targeting our kids and that's, no, go, goes after you know. all flavors, right? So here's one, this is uh, Zen cough coffee, right? So is coffee yeah. is, is that targeted to uh, that's banned, right? But mm-hmm. it's not targeted to children. It's uh, it's you know, it's it's. Uh, I mean, the Zen product. If you look at their marketing. It's on. It's on all the platforms. It's it is. It's it's being marketed to kids. There's coffee, cinnamon, uh, every sort of flavor. Now these these uh, you know, I don't I don't disagree that some of these fruity flavors. Although I for some reason I I know adults who like that. Just like I know adults who like cinnamon uh, liqueur, which I can't understand for the life of me. Uh, but adults like flavors, uh, you know, uh, just, and, and they're the ones, the product is not av- available legally for people under 21. So why can't the state enforce the law? And I totally and strongly agree on a, on a 21 and up uh, nicotine uh, 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 law, but why don't we just enforce those laws? And, um, and, and rather than ban it, right, are we going to, are we going to ban uh, vanilla, vodka for adults because kids might like vanilla flavored vodka. I, I, I don't see the, you know, I don't see the sense in that. And it's, uh, you know, it's a harmful, it's harmful for public health to do that. Lindsay, has, has that been talked about or did that 
was that a discussion before SB 793 in terms of, you know, how to police it better with young people or have the companies do something different in terms of advertising or marketing, as Stephen was just suggesting? I mean, the, the truth is that's an argument that tobacco industry floats around. They're out there trying to encourage those policies. But the what we know works is eliminating flavored products from the market. We know that youth are getting these products. We know the only way to protect them from those products and from the intense marketing that they're subject to is to remove these products from the market. And that's what works. And that's what we've seen work throughout the country. That's what we've seen work throughout California to ensure that our youth are not using these products. Just saying that big tobacco makes that argument is, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, you know, okay, they, they make that argument, but it, you know, it, it, it's, it happens to be correct, right? So you're, you're just making the whole thing, your thing, uh, big tobacco is evil. So we, and I'm not a fan of big tobacco, but the point is banning, banning the products that are less, that are less dangerous is not a sensible a sensible way to proceed to protect children who are not allowed to have them anyway. So so who doesn't make the argument that you should we should endorse uh, enforce the law for purchases of under twenty one? I think. But tell me. Uh, go uh, ahead. Go ahead, Lindsay. No, I was just going to say. I just want to reiterate the, the these products contain ten chemicals that are on the Prop sixty five list that cause cancer. So the, these these we. To say that these products are less harmful is is inaccurate. And we've seen many studies that have come up that that demonstrate oh, but, that these products cause well, a great deal of harm, and that we have to make sure we're protecting our kids from these flavors. Well, I, I don't think anyone disagrees that they're less harmful, and and then to say, well, they're less they're not less harmful. Look, they have these chemicals in them, and they're not they're not a hundred percent safe. Well, well, nobody says they're a hundred percent safe. They're less harmful. Uh, the, the main, the main danger from smoking is the combustion and, and, uh, the formaldehyde and all the chemicals that you ingest. And, uh, you know, if, if that's correct, why don't they, why do they have such low, uh, lung cancer rates in Sweden? I don't know the data out of Sweden, but I right. do know that because they use work and we've seen these policies have, have lowered youth use of, of tobacco have led to, um, cessation in the communities that have adopted them. Um, we know that the way that this policy is drafted, it will not criminalize people. And we know that the black market argument is, is overblown. We know that this is a good policy that's going to protect our kids in California. And that's why we need to vote yes in November. So let's talk about the referendum. Who, who is behind uh, the referendum? Who put it on the ballot? Do you want to talk about that, Stephen? Um, you know, I, I, I assume it's the tobacco companies, right? I mean, I, I, I haven't looked at the data. But I can, uh, I'm sure it's on uh, Wikipedia, whoever's funding it. But uh, I, yeah, I, I, I would imagine. Lindsay, you probably know that better. They're the <laughs> ones who put it on, right? I'm, I'm with a think tank that advocates for harm reduction, okay? So um, I'm not in the, uh, the, the, involved in the campaign one way or the other. So just, uh, uh, but I imagine all the disclosures are out, right? Are, are, are they, uh, yeah, so, so they're probably the major tobacco companies. Tell us, Lindsay. <laughs> yes, um, the tobacco industry, before the ink was even dry on Governor Newsom signing this, spent uh, millions of dollars in the middle of the height of one of the surges in the pandemic to collect enough signatures to send this to the ballot. And one of the things that we know is um, their strategy is to delay, because as they delay, they can continue selling their product. And in this window of delay that they have, they will make more than a billion dollars in revenue 
just by being allowed to continue to sell their product for two additional years? You know, obviously, tobacco companies that sell products are going to be opposed to a virtual ban on those products. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of the, the vaping companies are not big tobacco, right? They're, they're smaller companies, but sure, they want to they want to sell those products. And, and just making big tobacco the boogeyman doesn't really, you know, it, it doesn't really uh, get to the point here, which is uh, why don't, if you want to ban dangerous products, why don't you, and, and you think that just banning things uh, is, is the answer. Uh, and, and, and the evidence shows that people just switch to other products, especially on, uh, on things such as, as, as any, any sort of addiction related issue, right? If, if, you, if you have a nicotine habit, you are going to try to fulfill that habit and you're not going to just go cold turkey. You're going to switch to something else. So what, what's happening and what, the, what evidence we've seen is that when you make uh, safer products, again, I have to say this because you keep misconstruing it, safer, not safe products, less harmful products, uh, you make those things unavailable and people will go back and they'll pick up a pack of cigarettes. So um, anyway, um, that's, uh, uh, yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense. Now, this this uh, battle sort of happened on a smaller scale in San Francisco a few years ago. Uh, can you talk about that, Lindsay, sort of what happened there? And Stephen, were you, did you work on that as well in terms of what happened with the, the ordinance to ban the flavored, sale of flavored tobacco and then the sort of the battle to overturn that ordinance? You want to start? Yeah, I mean, we opposed it. Yeah. We opposed it. Yes, yeah. obviously. Um, you know, there was a, um, like you said, a very similar situation happened in uh, San Francisco where the they adopted the first and strongest policy in the country to prohibit the sale of all flavored tobacco, including menthol cigarettes. And um, the tobacco industry spent you know, several million dollars working to overturn that law um, and were resoundedly beat back. Um, they came back a few years later with another um, run at trying to, you know, pull that bill back um, and were defeated once again. Um, so the public overwhelmingly supports these, these policies because they know that they're needed to help protect our kids. Well, the San Francisco public does. We'll see whether the, whether the state of California uh, overall does, but would, Lindsay, in seriousness, would you would you endorse just banning all tobacco products? I'm not here to talk about endorsing tobacco. No, products. no, I'm, I'm just just as a philosophical that's on the ballot and oh, and on. the science we have behind that and how yeah, this but, is but the, the whole science product. Well, there's no science that the the whole purpose is you're banning the access of adults to certain types of tobacco products. Uh, or nicotine products. Some of them are not even tobacco products. Some of these uh, things I pointed out are just uh, pharmaceutical grade nicotine, which aren't any different than what's in nicotine gum. Would you would you support just philosophically um, just banning? Since you support banning certain types of, no. would, would, why not just ban uh, camels and marbles and all the all the all the all those sorts of products? Do, do you philosophically, is, would that make sense? Would what people this just is stop about smoking? is protecting vulnerable populations within our state from malicious targeting from a billion dollar industry that will stop at nothing to addict a new generation and line their pockets. And that's what this is about. And that's what we're about. We're about making sure that our kids are not the fuel for this greedy corporation to continue to make money and line its 
pockets. And okay, to make so sure then that you would support then banning regular you're cigarettes. You're putting words in my mouth. I, I'm, th- we, I mean, they're, they're, we're talking they're, that's about where they a, a hypothetical that's places. not even on the table in front of us. It makes no sense. Right, what we're right. Let's, about let's focus on flavors. the ballot initiative, okay. All right. exactly, on the referendum. Okay. But I did want to make a point. We talked a little bit about who's supporting with money, and I wanted to go back to that for just a second. Because in, um, you know, there's a couple of PACs who have filed that they're working on this issue. You know, one to protect California kids is called to protect California kids. The other is coalition for fairness. And so where the money is coming from for these uh, one side in, in terms of protecting kids, the way it is described, uh, some of the funders are, you know, the Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, of course, the uh, legislature legislator who was behind the bill uh, that became law, Healthy California Tobacco Free Kids Action Fund. And for the other side, the coalition for fairness, um, the side Stephen is talking about here in terms of Continue, you know, working to overturn the referendum. The donors were, uh, looks like the t- major tobacco companies, RJ Reynolds, Philip Morris, Swedish Match, North America. So I just wanted to point that out so that our audience kind of know, you know who's on both sides. We've got a couple of questions from the audience. So I wanna make sure I take those. Um, the first one, Steve, is for you. Does the tobacco industry fund directly or indirectly the R Street Institute? You know, we're, we're a think tank and we don't discuss our donors, I'm sorry. Okay, so don't discuss donors. Here, here's another one. So uh, does, does this type of ban exist in other states? Uh, and it's, of course, you've been talking about Lindsay's evidence of how this works when these things have been taken off the shelf. But can you talk about that? Does it, is it happening in other states right now? Yeah, there's um, one other state that has a comparable ban, Massachusetts, that um, passed probably within the year before California passed theirs. And then there are hundreds of communities throughout the country that have adopted it. Here in California, we have more than 120 local governments that have adopted similar policies. So besides San Francisco, give us a couple of other examples. Um, We've got, gosh, Oakland, I think San Leandro has one. We have a bunch in the Los Angeles area. LA County has adopted one. San Diego recently adopted one, San Jose. Um, I'm trying to think, I feel like there might be one in up north. There's a bunch of them. I, I, I can't. That's okay. You don't them. have to have yeah. the whole list. I, I was just curious. People yeah. might be wondering about their area. Um, Steve, in terms of other areas, I mean, is, uh, well, have could, you seen I, this also oh, change? Yeah, on the Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to, I think I you're going just, where I was going to. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I was trying to, I, you know, I found a, uh, here's from the uh, Massachusetts Department of Revenue's Illegal Tobacco Task Force uh, says that the, uh, the the ban has fueled a $10 billion uh, black market, you know, following following the passage of the law. So I'm, I'm not so sure that we could conclude that there are no black markets uh, that result from these kind of bans, but I know, you know, I've, not, I've no, um, just not was, as many as, you know, our, our $10 billion at a state, the size of Massachusetts. I don't know. We'd have to do an analysis of how big that is, but, but whenever something is banned, uh, whether it's alcohol, marijuana, uh, and especially highly addicted substances, people do not just go cold, cold Turkey. They 
uh, find alternatives. And there are different ways they can find alternatives. They can travel out of state or out of the community. Uh, when I uh, when I went up in, into Marin County, I know Nevada, I believe, had a ban. People just go to neighboring communities. Um, in in Oakland, uh, people are you know going uh, going further into the East Bay to get the products that that they they like to smoke. So any sort of thing. So people will just find alternatives. So so we will see uh, vapors uh, going online and and making their own vape juices from recipes. God knows who who's uh, whose idea they are. Um, and and if people are are you know are, are are addicted to cigarettes, they will go and find other other things. And if they're used to smoking or vaping uh, uh, with flavors, uh, that's um, you know that's what that's uh, they're just going to find other ways to to get that. But there are there are communities. So the impact has been minimal because in places where you know local communities ban them, you can go to the neighboring community. So a lot of times it's just. You know, but the impact hasn't been minimal on youth who aren't the ones that typically do go. Who aren't allowed to buy the products anyway, right? They're not allowed to get them. But you remove them from the community and they can't get them. If I could get you off just the campaign talking points, what what do you think ought to be done about, uh, uh, you know, the the, the age enforcement? Do you have any ideas on, on what should be done on that? I think what we need to do is vote yes in November to pass this referendum and eliminate flavored tobacco so that kids don't have access to it. That's what I think needs to be done. So let me ask you a question along that line, Lindsay, from an, a panel, some, someone in the audience who says, in 2021, the FDA CDC said youth smoking rates for high school kids was about 1.9%. And for vape, it was 113 which was down from a few years ago from 27%. But since this is going to impact the fruity flavors mostly that are used in vape pens uh, and and electronic cigarette devices, what will the law do or does it do anything to protect the 1.9% of kids that use cigarettes? Yeah. So, you know, a couple of things that I want to make clear that the CDC um, data that came out was collected partially during the pandemic. So some of those numbers are you know, you have to make sure you're analyzing them and understanding the, the background behind them all appropriately. Um, but what we do for that 1.9% is eliminate menthol cigarettes, which are a driving factor in youth use of traditional cigarettes. Um, furthermore, there are products on the market called, you know, like the Swisher Sweets that are little cigars that come in all kinds of flavors. And they definitely, um, you know, are products that we see youth using. And so we get at those products too. So by eliminating all those flavors, you're eliminating the products, the, the things that make it easier for youth to start using those products in the first place. And I think that that's really what we're trying to get at. And teen smoking rates are at, at historic lows, right? They're at like uh, four, four or 5%. And you don't think there's any correlation between teen smoking being at historic lows at the same time that teen vaping is, is going up? I think when you look at the data and you see that the numbers have been going down over time, but now are starting to creep up, that's concerning. And I think that that can be tied to the increased use of e-cigarettes. Yeah. Well, okay. We, so we, before, before we go on, I do want to clarify, let's talk about yes and no, because often when we get our ballots with these all different kinds of referendums, there's a, always a question about does yes really mean yes? Does no really mean no? So, so Lindsay, do, do, um, 
how do we vote? How do the audience members, Californians vote if they agree with you? And then Stephen, same question for you. So we are asking for a yes vote on the ballot in November. Yes, we'll eliminate flavored tobacco products from the market. So yes means keeping the law as is. Correct. Right. Okay, Stephen. So tell it. So no means. Right. No. No means overturning the law. Right. I, I always find it confusing. Referenda <laughs> are very confusing. I always yes. have to stop and say, wait a minute. Uh, yeah. Especially when I write editorials about the referendum, you're like, wait a minute. I want to make sure I. But yeah, so no, no would over overturn the law. Yes, would uphold the law. So obviously, I'm, I'm opposed to the law. Right, because it, it it does. It seems like the referendum is to overturn. So it would seem as though it's the other way around. Yeah, it would. Yes. Yeah. But, yes uh, but is to keep no. things the same. Keep the current law, which is, you know, prohibits the sale. No is to overturn. Okay, great. And then why were hookah, loose leaf tobacco, and cigars exempted? Do do we review? Can either of you talk about that? They have good lobbyists. I think, I yeah, know. it was a political decision made as the bill moved through the process. Okay. Which is, I mean, and that's the problem with all that. It's just a political decision rather than letting the market and people make their own choices, right? So um, it, it's a political decision. We like we expensive cigars, right? Because uh, I think legislators like like to smoke expensive cigars, although those rarely are are flavored. So I'm I'm not totally sure. Uh, but uh, boutique products like like hookah, but um, yeah. So it's it's and and the reason that it's not just the fruity flavors that are being banned, it is uh, basically all the preponderance of flavors that adults use to break themselves of their of their habit, including coffee cinnamon, um, vanilla, those kind of flavors, so. Well, we just have a couple of minutes left. So I wanted to ask you, do you guys want to talk a little bit more sort of as a closing thought for the audience, anything for them to keep in mind for us to think about as we move towards November? Yeah, I mean, I think that what we know is that youth are targeted by these products, that the industry has been pernicious in targeting our black and brown communities, and that we've seen a huge detriment to our to the health in our communities because of this. And it's time for us to step up and support this policy. Our legislators tried to have our back. They tried to help protect us from the, you know, multi-billion dollar industry that's got a target on our kids. And, you know, the industry's trying to fight back. And so now it's up to voters. And so just vote yes on the referendum in November. Stephen, well, closing thought. Yeah. So, I mean, California has been on the leading edge on harm reduction policies and dealing with, uh, you know, safe injection sites, uh, you know, different drug and, and sex related laws. The goal of the state is not to ban, ban things, bad practices that are tend to be uh, dangerous. Uh, but to you know, allow people to make safer choices, and this bans the the preponderance of vaping, snus, um, uh, uh, other safer smokeless tobacco products, products that are safer but not not totally safe uh, for adults, as a way to stop them from getting in the hands of the youth. Which is 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 there are certain products that are adults only. And uh, it's, it's foolhardy. We're just going to push people into, uh, into picking up the most dangerous products. They won't they'll no longer be able to get a vape, uh, vape pen or snooze in your, in your uh, convenience store, but you'll still have those, those camels or very dangerous cigarettes available. And if you are, have a, a nicotine habit, 
Um, that's not something you can just go cold turkey. And the state is just trying to force people to go cold turkey, which is not going to promote uh, public health. Great. Well, thank you both for being with us today. This was um, super informative. And I know voters will be uh, looking out for more information. So we'll be following your work. The Capital Weekly Podcast is produced by Tim Foster for Open California. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.